Welcome to Game Changers Live from Miami, Florida. My name is Sergio Tijera. I'm your host. And each and every week, we bring you someone who has been a game changer in their field and who's touched the lives of thousands to get their perspective on their journey, their mindset, their struggles and successes so that we can inspire you on your journey. So let's get started right now. And welcome, everybody, to Miami, Florida. It's a Game Changers Live. You can catch us each and every week on Google Podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, LinkedIn, YouTube, any of your favorite platforms. We're there interviewing people who have been game changers in their field. And today is no exception. I have a very special guest with us today. It's Yaniv Sarig. He is the co-founder and CEO of the Mohawk Group based out of New York. Prior to co-founding Mohawk, Yaniv led the financial services engineering department at Caverity, a leading software uh, company providing code quality and security solutions for top financial institutions and hedge funds in New York, including the NYSE, the NASDAQ, JPMC, and Barclays from April 12 to 14. And before joining Caverity, uh, he led lead technical roles at Bloomberg from October 2011 to April 12 and Epic Systems a legal process outsourcing company from 06 to 11. Prior to moving to New York City, Mr. Sarig lived in Israel where he held various software engineering roles at startups from various industries, including companies involved in digital printing solutions and military navigation systems. So he also served in the IDF Special Forces from November 95 to 98, where he obtained the rank of Sergeant First Class and he holds a Bachelor of Science in computer science from Turo College is fluent in English, French, Hebrew, and C++. So welcome to Game Changers, buddy. Thanks for having me here. Excited to be on. Fantastic. So like we said, we have people who've been game changers in their field. And the Mohawk Group and what you've developed there with, uh, with your, with your co-founders is nothing short of fantastic. But before we get into that, tell me a little bit about you and your upbringing in Israel and the, the stories of the Special Forces. because this is all about inspiring other entrepreneurs, other business leaders on their journey as we all eventually hit the wall, right? And so hearing it from people who've hit the wall and made it is makes it all the better. So tell me a little bit about your background. Sure, sure. Uh, yeah, so uh, I think I, I was quite lucky to, uh, you know, be born to a, a family where early on, you know, um, we were exposed to technology. My dad was uh, an electronics engineer. And, uh, you know, I was born in Israel, but because my dad also uh, speaks French, I, I had the privilege as a kid to spend a lot of time in Europe. We actually lived in Europe for a few years before returning back to Israel. My dad was, uh, was again, pursuing a career as an electronics engineer at an Israeli startup that was growing uh, in Europe and allowed me to kind of like get a perspective of the world, living in different cultures, in my opinion, is uh, one of the best gifts you can give your kids. And it's definitely helped me a lot, I believe, in my life. Uh, although, as a kid, it creates a lot of challenges as well. And then, uh, you know, it's 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 interesting, uh, you know, going back to Israel uh, after that experience. I was there until at the age of from the age of seven to seventeen. Uh, it was actually a tough, uh, difficult challenge to to reintegrate back in the Israeli society, very different culture. Uh, but you know, um, as as I as I was able to kind of like do that, one of the as you mentioned, one of the main kind of turning points was the army in Israel. Everyone has to go to the army. 
and it was a chance for me to kind of like uh, for the first time be just like everyone else starting uh, from scratch every time I moved from one place to another I always had to you know meet people and make new friends and the army was everyone started from scratch it was an opportunity for me to uh, to uh, not you know not have uh, not have a you know a deficiency there and and, and so I it was a really important milestone in my life. I, I I worked very hard to try to do the best out of the three years you're obligated to serve in the military, and uh, I pursued uh, a, a career uh, there in the special forces, where I, uh, you know, I think learned enormously about myself, challenged myself, and and uh, you know, I've got to say, I, I credit uh, that experience a lot with with later down the road, uh, you know, surmounting some of the challenges, uh, you know, being an entrepreneur and dealing with uh, a lot of the failures and difficulties that that comes with right i think you know if you if you ask me uh you know to talk about myself and, and and about my journey and and all these things i've been through and and building mohawk the way it is i'd say that uh, one one of my biggest learnings is is that as a society i think uh you know we tend to shy away from speaking about our 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 challenges our failures our the, the things that didn't work for us right and, and as I as I think about that, and as I think about what the challenges that I've got in my life, I, I believe that the best ROI I've ever had in anything I've ever done was was when I failed and when I was able to fight through that failure and recover from it. And and it's as a CEO, maybe the most important thing uh, for me in terms of the culture of the company is to cultivate a culture where failure is is not only acceptable but but actually something that we uh you know we, we almost cherish as an opportunity to get better right and, and i say that uh if i had to summarize it all in 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 one word is i think that in in one sentence is i think like you know learning from your failures and accepting them and fighting through them and not giving up is probably one of the key key essential things uh, uh that any entrepreneur should should uh should embrace in a way right exactly you know failure is one of the biggest teachers and that's where we find the most gold in in the lesson but we need to look for the lesson and not beat down our people because they failed exactly Everyone's gonna fail as part of that process and to your point being vulnerable especially as as a ceo as a public figure could be terrifying right because people are you're gonna be worried about okay what do people think about me am i am i upholding the image i'm supposed to but you know what being authentic counts. That's authenticity is so important right now that it is the driving factor in a lot of you know uh, leaders right now. People need to be authentic and people need to feel like they're part of a, a, a constructive culture that is not going to penalize failure. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that you know, for leaders out there, um, you know, dealing with a very complicated world where none of us, you know has all the answers right and and we're all you know going to fail at what we do and success i think as many smart people before me have said it right is, is really the ability to continue to pursue your goal and to not give up and to learn from those failures and, and continue to move on right and part of leadership is to actually be humble about that speak about that to your team and and not try to you know hide it or or make it look like uh you know this this hasn't happened it's actually to to really embrace it right to say that's part of the journey that's part of the journey is failing part of the journey is not giving up and uh you know we've had our fair challenges as a company and i've always told my team you know we're going to get through that we're, we're going to we're not going to let you know maybe what other people think about us or or uh 
you know, certain results that have not been perfect really define us. What's going to define us is how we surmount that, right? And I think that leaders gain the most uh, credit, I think, with those that they want uh, to follow their leadership when they say that out loud and when they accept that. Because at the end of the day, we all know our limitations and we see that, seeing that in our leaders, seeing that on one hand, they have the courage to get up again and continue to fight, but at the same time that they're not trying to hide or or uh, or, or you know not speak about their, their failures. I think it's one of the most uh, you know credit building uh, uh, things you can do as a leader, right? And so again, uh, to me, I, as I think about the culture of the company, it, it's essential that we continue to cultivate that because companies that create a situation where there's fear around failure are the ones that stop innovating. The ones are the ones where you know people don't have transparency or don't share data as, as, as effectively because they're worried about, you know, any any mistakes they're making, uh, you know, not 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 really just building well for them, right? So critical, in my opinion, as, as a leader, you know, as a leader in, in, in companies to, to embrace that, to speak about it openly. Being vulnerable doesn't mean being weak. It's about, it's about transparency and that's what really creates true leadership. So big, so big learning. Exactly. Prior prior to being uh, recording here, we were talking a little bit about the the special forces. What was and 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 the impact that that had in preparing you to be an entrepreneur? What was the most defining moment or lesson that you learned, or lessons that you learned that have helped you in your entrepreneurial career? You know, I think. Special forces, the word special, right? It, it, it's it's really the, it's really the, the definition of that is you know is going the extra mile, right? To be extraordinary, you gotta just be able to put that extra effort. And I think one of the biggest things that I've learned, uh, you know, back then was that first of all, what you think you can achieve is just a fraction of what you can really do, right? Once you put your mind to something, you know. Um, and, and you really authentically decide that you're going to get to the other side, uh, you know, the challenges that seem almost insurmountable all of a sudden become surmountable. And, and the time and effort that it takes and where other people might give up, you know, that, that drive that you build to be able to, despite all the challenges, make it to the other side is an exercise in uh, self-confidence that is iterative, right? The more the way special forces training works is that you constantly, the bar is put higher and higher and, and something that seemed unsurmountable a few months ago, you know, is, is a little bit of a step up and you, you push yourself further and further and further. And, and after two years, you look back at yourself and you realize that what you're doing today is something that, you know, when you were a civilian before, you couldn't even dream of, of, of even, you know, thinking about doing right. And so that confidence building comes from, again, challenging yourself, getting out of your comfort zone and pushing your limits. And I think it's the same thing with being an entrepreneur, right? I, I think success is such a fickle thing. Um, success is uh, is really, uh, it requires an alignment of stars that not, not, is not always in your control, right? Like some things, right. uh, you know, you can work very hard and, and things still are not going to go exactly like you wish because the world is very random and there are a lot of other parameters that you might have not thought of. And to me, you know, the perseverance that that I think I learned uh, as as part of being in in a special unit, 
and more importantly also the reliance on the team the loyalty of the team to each other their ability to be there for each other when you know when we fall everyone you know when one of us falls everyone you know extends a hand to lift us back up right those are the critical things to success because again success is so fickle that you're going to fail many many times and your ability to persevere and your ability to have your team be there for you or have every member of the team be there for each other despite every one of us potentially failing on their own right is what's going to get us to the other side uh it's what's going to allow us to fight for long enough so that the star align and we can actually achieve success right and, and so perseverance teamwork supporting your team being there uh for them when when the ups and downs occur i think those, those are the most critical lessons to learn from, from that experience and those aren't just words that you put up on the wall that that don't really mean anything you actually live that in the special forces and you embody that and that there's no more important characteristic of a leader than somebody who embodies the values that they espouse on their team and there's a big difference right when you just have some nice words on a wall nobody really buys in and uh on the other end where you have people that will run through a wall for you right because they had that same mentality that same belief system and i think that's what distinguishes excellent companies and excellent management versus others that are perhaps don't have that culture of uh, of teamwork and perseverance and and you know investing in them and knowing that you believe in your people as a leader that means a lot to them in terms of their motivation every day absolutely and, and i think as a company you know we we've definitely been battle tested look i mean again going back to what i said before uh speaking about our mistakes you know we've made a lot of mistakes along the way we're, our vision is not an easy one we're trying to disrupt an entire industry we're trying to basically reinvent uh the way consumer product companies operate online given the incredible transform digital transformation that retail is going through we really believe that there's an opportunity to rebuild uh the traditional consumer company uh with a mix of technology and agile supply chain and that's a big vision that uh, sometimes you know uh you, you find you find yourself at 3 a.m uh, working on on this and you're asking yourself uh, maybe i should have taken uh, maybe you're going for something a little less ambitious right but uh you start asking but, how deep does the rabbit hole really go because exactly the deeper you and, get and, the more it breaks out <laughs> and and you know and and um and and it's a it's a it's a it's a vision that has a lot of moving parts technological logistical operational financial and you know not as an entrepreneur was a big dream nothing really prepares you for all these these uh these challenges nothing prepares you for the mistakes you're going to make and again you know what you do when those mistakes happen really to me is is, is what success is all about right i don't mm -hmm. think uh you know i think a lot a lot of people out there you know look at companies and and see their success and and think it's been a straight line with no bumps along the road and it's the opposite right every right. step of the way it was an obstacle that had to be surmounted and i think again uh the perseverance the ability to say it's okay to fail and and to learn from it and to get better is again if you know if i have to invest if i had, hopefully you know, one day I, i'll be in a position to also invest in younger entrepreneurs the number one thing I would look for is is that perseverance, that ability to really, uh, you know, get back on the horse when things go wrong, because that will happen to the smartest of entrepreneurs, and uh, 
and it's going to define their success above everything else. And Mohawk Group is trailblazing in an area, in a space that hasn't really been developed to the extent that you guys are developing it. Tell me and tell the listeners a bit more about the platforms you have and the services and the integration of all these components that keep you up at night as, as a seller and how important that is to, to companies that are running your platform. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, the, the vision that the, the co-founders of Mohawk, including myself, kind of set to, to build upon uh, is, is really rooted in, in this realization that retail is transforming and technology is moving at a very fast pace and, and the traditional brick and, brick and mortar stores you know, they're, they're obviously, it's a very, very big industry, so it's not nothing's going to happen overnight. But we're seeing more clearly every day something that I think we realized, like again, six years ago, was that the, the the digital transformation that retail is going through will be very disruptive for for the traditional consumer companies, right? The traditional consumer companies uh, that still today are are probably uh, you know making most of the products that we buy have been built on. Uh, a business model in retail that is less data uh, uh, rich, uh, much much more much slower in its in its uh, in its cycles, and um, much less agile. I would say that what you need to be today. And I think one of the most powerful forces that drives that is that online commerce has uh, broken the barriers of entry and empowered consumers. Uh, you know, broken the barriers of entry for other brands to enter the category. Really, what the main reason for that is that where where traditional retail, your shelf was very finite, and and really the retailer could only select a few of the well-known brands that it, that it thought should be on that shelf. Online, that that limitation is gone, right? And you basically have almost infinite competition. But on top of that, uh, consumers have basically you know they, they've gotten a lot more. They, they're empowered, right? They, they have now tools and capabilities to look for products and solutions to their problems that didn't exist before. And so the combination of these two forces makes traditional consumer product companies very vulnerable because they were typically used to be in the driver's seat in terms of driving the demand, right? I mean, before we had our phones and our computers, right? When we were going into a store, uh, you know, when we wanted to buy a shampoo, for example, the big brands would tell us, look, uh, you know, in, in the TVs, they add on TV, they would tell us, look, that's the best shampoo for you because it has these particular ingredients. And there was a limitation to how much we could do our own due diligence on this as consumers. Sure. And it was almost kind of like we had to trust those brands that they were making the right products for us. Today, we're inundated with data and information that comes from many different sources. And oftentimes, before even a product exists, some influencer or some uh, magazine talks about a particular uh, new uh, maybe trend or or, or uh, you know an ingredient in a product that's becoming more popular, and all of a sudden the demand skyrockets. And and so your ability to detect that and your ability to to react to that demand that is now driven by the consumer, not by the brands, is flipping the table and, and requiring brands to be more data driven, more consumer centric, and more agile with their reaction to the market data. And that's really kind of what we said to build with more. We said let's go reinvent. The entire concept of the consumer company with first and foremost data driving our decision making as to what products we need to make and then behind it an agile supply chain that can turn this data into products very quickly so mohawk is structured as a technology company with uh, a platform that we call amy that is driving our business across 
all the pieces of the supply chain, including ingestion of terabytes of data uh, on a weekly basis to identify what products we want to make. And then we take that data, which includes reviews and price points of products and trends of searches, and we turn that into a spec for a product that we then use in contract manufacturers uh, that are our partners. We bring to market a product that was designed based on the data that the consumers showed us uh, you know, was, was driving their decision making. And so that, that very rapid data-driven approach to e-commerce is what we think is the future. And, and that's how we're building our business, right? So having a finger on the pulse and then quickly making a product to, to satisfy whatever the market is demanding at the time. Is that, is that what we're talking about? That's exactly it. And, uh, you know, it, it's, it sounds, uh, it sounds easy, but it's very hard, right? Like oh you, yeah. yeah. <laughs> extremely hard. Yeah. Well, what's interesting is, and I want to make that very clear, right? Today, we're not necessarily innovating at a product level in a major way, right? We're not, uh, you know, trying to be a Dyson or an Apple or, you know, uh, at the product level, we're not implementing very complex R and D. There are so many products available to consumers today, over 100 million products online, whether it's on Amazon or Walmart, and, and so many streams of demand where consumers are searching for very specific things. For us, it's the analysis of what people are searching for, what they find, and how much can we tell, uh, you know, how much market share could we take in a particular category if we just did things iteratively better, right? And, and that's why we're able to grow so fast and create so many products is because we're not trying to revolutionize a particular category. We're just reading uh, at a massive scale the demand and the supply uh, uh, patterns and, and, and really what the consumers tell us in reviews about the existing products. And we find combination of features or improvement of certain problems that certain products have. And just by doing that iterative uh, um, improvement to the product and then laser focusing our marketing on where we saw the problem, we're able to very quickly make products really relevant to the, to the consumers that were looking for them and take significant market share, one product at a time, where the data shows us that we need to do that, right? And so that, that's the model, right? It's again, as a very consumer-centric model, we start with a consumer, we figure out what is it that they're searching for, what can we learn about the incumbent products that are in the market today, what can we do to improve on the challenges the consumers have with those products, and then as quickly as possible, bring our own offering under our own portfolio of brands, and again, laser focus on the demand of the customer. On a very basic level, for, for all the entrepreneurs out there who struggle in, in simply finding out who their customer is and defining that, you guys are taking this to uh, an ultra you know competitive, ultra high level um, you're, you're performing surgery out there in, in lightning speed. Are you also providing this platform to entrepreneurs to use that to help better their business operations? It's a great question. Uh, the way we think about our business is we, we want to build the consumer platform of the future. And, and right now, our revenue, first and foremost, is driven by our own brands operating on top of our platform. Uh, and so, so we think of our business as having kind of like basically three, uh, three legs in a way, right? The, the biggest one is, you know, we, we, we build our own products, right? We use the data to make our own brands and products based on what the data tells us. Recently, especially in the last six months, 
we've accelerated the second leg of the business, which is uh, sometimes the data tells you of an opportunity of where to go. That's when we build a product. But sometimes it tells you, hey, look, in this category right here, it's very hard to, to, to necessarily uh, make a dent because there's really no real angle of attack. And so in that case, what we've been doing very recently is, is, is taking advantage of the fact that in the last you know, 10 years, the, the, the explosion of e-commerce has opened up the door to millions of small digital native brands that, that were born. And some of them have done a great job. And so when we look at a category that's saturated where there's necessarily any kind of entry point, and we see that one of the incumbents in that space has done a great job, but, but they're not necessarily a big company. They're more of a, a smaller digital native brand. We would approach them and, and, and see if we could actually acquire them, right? And, and the idea here is that uh, we want to put on our platform as much revenue as possible, whether it's a product we create or whether it's acquiring very accretive brands that have done a great job in a particular category we think that the data is showing that they are going to be consistently generating positive cash flows from the product that generated for many years. They can't scale anymore because they're a small operation and there's millions of those. Just, just on Amazon, there's between two to three million sellers that are active at any point in time. And so for us, there's the ability to go out there and acquire them and they take the assets of that business. We don't necessarily need the people or uh, any any ip right we're just buying the assets the products that are already mature and putting them on our platform right so the acquisition the m a model is the second leg so there's either a build or acquire right m a and the third one which is very nascent we just started doing that recently we with covid we had a little bit of a slowdown there because because obviously everyone was kind of getting their bearings but the third one is we will use our platform as a service meaning if we can't build a product in this category and we can't acquire the, the brands that, that own that category, uh, then perhaps we can help them, right? And so by doing that, we're slicing the entire consumer's you know, product segment and, 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 and basically any product can fall into one of those three buckets. The service component is still very nascent. Uh, we're gonna continue to invest in it. And, and we've always built our software in a way where we wanna leave the door open uh, as we scale to uh, take the, the technology and build a larger SaaS business with it, right? But it's still it's still nascent and we're very picky in terms of choosing partners that we think have the ability to scale very quickly. But obviously, you know, uh, we're always open to speak to anyone. And, and if uh, anyone listening to this has uh, an interest in talking to us, uh, we'll always entertain the conversation. So we're speaking with Yaniv Sarig, uh, CEO of the Mohawk Group based out of New York. Uh, company is listed on the NASDAQ, $500 million market cap. They're tra you know, trailblazing in that space. Really exciting stuff going on and tremendous leadership uh, lessons from his entire life growing up in Israel and then through college and all the, the uh, entrepreneurial uh, adventures he's been on. As we wrap this up, I always ask my guests, was there a time in your life or a moment or something that somebody told you where it was the game changer for you? Um, something that really kind of lit the lit your fire or kind of, you know, catapulted your career. What, 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 what was that for you? It's hmm. a great question. Um, that's a really good question. I think that, um, It's, this is this is uh, I, I think uh, I lost someone very close, uh, you know, a long time ago, but something changed in my mind that day. I mean, not exactly that day. It took me a long time to realize it. But 
it's a realization that you know we're all we all have a finite time you know in this life and that uh it's really our duty almost to the people we lose and, and that we love to really make the most out of it and to not be afraid to take risks to to go out there and, and give it all you got and uh you know and and smile uh smile along the way right realize that uh the journey as much as it's difficult and has its ups and downs and challenges that's the best part about it it's that it's that it's that journey because at the end <laughs> we all end up in the same place so having fun you know not not letting fear stop us from going after our dreams is, is really i think one of the most monumental things you can understand and unfortunately you know for me that the big leap was really losing someone close and realizing that and uh and uh yeah it was it was an important lesson Brother, you are a game changer and you're changing the game in, in, in the industry for sure, man. You're impacting lives and you're you're improving people's businesses left and right. So thank you so much for being on, brother. Where, where can they reach out to you? On Twitter? Oh, yeah, definitely on Twitter or LinkedIn. Please feel free to reach out to me. I'd love to speak to uh, anyone going through this journey. And if I can offer any advice or help, uh, I'd always uh, welcome that. So thank you so much. Thanks. If you loved what you heard in today's episode of Game Changers, please subscribe and rate us. The lessons and the stories in these podcasts are immensely valuable, so I invite you to share them with a friend who needs to hear it. You may end up being the game changer in their lives.